Welcome back to Ravens Recap. It is Monday, January 31st. Yesterday we saw two very close, very exciting championship games. We learned that the Super Bowl will be as everyone expected. The Cincinnati Bengals going on to play the Rams. And by everyone, I mean absolutely no one, not even Bengals fans. We checked in with our Bengals correspondent. Alec, what was his email response to us? How's he doing? Thanks. I'm still a bit in a state of shock. But Justin is doing all right. Another friend of the show, Mike Sands, who we had on for the first episode, he uh, had many pictures of him jumping up and down and celebrating. And uh, his Twitter was a lot of fun to watch while the game was going on. And, um, you know, it's funny because it looked for a bit there that the Chiefs were going to run away with it. But when they were down 11 points going into the half after that stop, I was like, 11 points. You know how that ended from last time and then sure enough it happened again and it was like man <laughs> well done guys like pretty uh pretty impressive win honestly um the rams very disappointing way to win i thought they should have won with more gusto but um if we look ahead to the super bowl i do find it quite interesting because i was thinking about it last night and i really do think that the rams are a really bad matchup for the Bengals. I think the Rams should be able to win this game and it could get ugly as long as they don't, you know, make make too many mistakes. If they if they both make av- like the average amount of mistakes for a team, I really do think the Rams have a matchup that will cause them to be world champions. Yeah, well, I mean, don't uh, don't count the Bengals out. Um, I'm not. I I, it, I really do think a lot like very highly of the Bengals. I've really enjoyed watching them all these games, but uh, I'm just saying like if you just look at like that defensive line against their offensive line yeah. and uh, like that matchup in particular just it seems like a, a really big place that could be exploited and also just I mean, the Rams defense is just more legit in my opinion and the ability to generate pass rush of the Bengals while good the Rams have one of the best lines in the league. So, it, I mean, it really comes down to, well, like, Stafford, Stafford. Because I think Burrow is going to Burrow. It, <laughs> it's just, what, right. what Stafford are you going to get? Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, man. I'm I'm really torn overall with the Bengals. Like, I... Originally, I was just like, one and done. Please just, you know, get out. I didn't like the... The cockiness that kind of they played around with uh, early in the season, particularly after they beat us, I didn't wasn't a huge fan of that. But then they kept winning, and you know they're now this kind of like nice underdog story of like they're not flashy, but they are playing like a complete football on in all phases, right? I mean, Burrow's been playing really well, defense has been playing really well. McPherson is is like crazy. I'm like worried at this point that he's going to trend to like a Justin Tucker because I mean, he's just been playing out of his mind these playoffs. I mean, you just, you, you love to see the confidence, but on the other hand, like they're just the Bengals, man. Like how, come on, how do we let this happen? <laughs> you have enough first picks. Oh man. <laughs> <sighs> they should get good after all. That's true. I, know. <laughs> I know. It's just, first it's pick, crazy. Pick. I'm like, I, I'm still, I, I think I'm still rooting for the Rams, but like, I, I hate that I, I hate that I like I'm so conflicted on this yeah oh, I'm man. also rooting for the Rams but not because I want the Bengals to lose like I just think I think it'd be spicy if the Rams win uh, particularly oh, on Ravens Twitter for the way they constructed their roster and um, <laughs> I also just like it's not anything against the Bengals if the Bengals win I'll be very excited for them you know like I, th- I, I think it's great like people who are like upset because they're an AFC North rival like I don't know in a way, like they're your brothers. Like 
like it's a love hate relationship but uh i, I respect it <laughs> oh man i love this we uh, we all i we uh, i have just completely different takes than you guys i love this so great i think this is the Bengals super bowl to lose i think this is an excellent matchup for them and what it is i haven't gotten a chance to watch film on it but in the second half this playoffs in all three games this Bengals red zone defense has just been incredible they're just shutting the offenses out. They had that end of the game stand against the Raiders. Obviously, they forced the Chiefs to kick field goals. Titans couldn't do anything on on offense second half of their game. I think this, the Bengals are really sneaky good, and they're playing with house money. They got no pressure, zero pressure at all. And I tell you what, if people think I'm not are going to take Ravens fans points away from me, I don't care. I love this Bengals team. This is what sports is all about, is seeing these underdog franchises that have been kicked <laughs> around and made fun of for so long finally get a shot. It's such a great story. They hadn't won a playoff game in our lifetime. They hadn't won a single playoff game in our <laughs> lifetime. Let that sink in. We're not young. We're not old, but we're not young. And yet here they are, They and they win three in a row, and they're in the Super Bowl. It's incredible. And you know what? I think Ravens fans should be rooting for the Bengals because you know what? If they lose, this team, this franchise has gotten a taste of what it is to be in the big game. I think they're more more dangerous team over the next five years if they lose because they're going to want to get back. They win. You know, you guys have been saying that, that you think they're kind of cocky. I kind of agree as well, but I think it's more <laughs> swagger than cockiness. Yeah, they're yeah. going to be, they're going to, you know, they're going to open up nightclubs in, in Cincinnati. There's no longer going to be nothing to do there. And they're just going to be, it's just going to be like when the Capitals won uh, the tournament a couple years ago and, and Ovechkin was drinking beer out of the, you know, Stanley Cup for a month. They're going to come into to the next season so cocky that they're going to fall flat in their face and go seven and 10 or whatever it is. And that was, yeah, seven and 10 now. Yeah, no, you're right. Game season. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, and it's also AFC North. We have we have gripes with way more fan bases, I think, way more teams than we do the Bengals. Steelers and Browns, there's some bad blood there. The Bengals, they knocked the Ravens out of the playoffs in 2017 in a year when, honestly, the Ravens weren't didn't take care of enough of their own business anyway. That's like it. That's like the only thing we have to hate against the Cincinnati Bengals for. Let them win. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it always bugged me when A.J. Green got the best of us. But I get what you're saying, Peter. And, and you know, I was saying it. Uh, to you guys last night and, and just in general I've been saying it for a while like you gotta embrace competition in the NFL like you can't be upset that one of your conference mates are like good or that I mean I, I, I truly do think that the Bengals and the Ravens could be very good teams potentially the best teams in the NFL various years and neither of us will be first seeds because we have to keep playing each other right like yeah definitely. <laughs> there's there's this beat up factor that we'll probably do during the regular season but i think it makes you more prepared for the postseason and that uh, it all works out like anyone who's like mad that that team's in our division and like we have to outbeat them it's like realize you have to beat in theory the best teams to win the championship which is the goal so get used to it <laughs> like you can't get upset about having a good team close to home oh man and i and i'm just good to get back to the rams um man i i just was I didn't care who won that game until the Rams pulled that stunt. Like, if you got to pull that stunt where you're doing that thing to try and block opposing fans from coming into your stadium because you are you have that little faith in your 12th man showing up, lost some major respect for that organization right there. That's just that's just lame, man. That's weak. They weren't the only ones. Though. The Titans did it, too. Well, we already hate the Titans. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I already had a low opinion of the Titans, so I didn't even notice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, definitely was not was not upset to see the Titans lose, even if it was to the Bengals. Uh, that felt not at all. 
Oh, man. Well, Peter said at the top of the show, welcome back to Ravens Recap. And Ravens Recap would like to say welcome back to Mike McDonald. Uh, He's going to be our new defensive coordinator. It was announced, uh, I believe, Thursday night at like 10.15 in the after or in the evening like what the heck like what why did press releases come out on thursday at 10 15 but nevertheless uh became official then we knew that he was a, a top candidate and um i think it makes a lot of sense i'm pretty excited about it a lot of the players seem very excited about it jason from huddle it up films broke the news to me because uh discord was down when the first rumors came up and uh you know, it was also like during the workday, so I wasn't checking Twitter. So <laughs> I get this call <laughs> and uh, and boom. And I was like, oh, wow, really? And then, uh, yeah, it t- turns out like he was telling me he watched the Penn State game uh, that they played and very, um, he-, he said he didn't blitz too much, but uh, lots of like just good coverage and um, doing the best that you can to create pressure with four and five man uh, rushes. It's just like it seems like a little bit more disciplined, which I think if we look at how the playoffs are playing out, I think that's the kind of approach that you need against these top offenses. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely excited. I think Ravens fans should also be excited too. I mean, you know, think about it. This is, you know, although he's coming back from Michigan, I mean, this is essentially an internal hire, right? So, and I mean, at that too, it's it's not like a, a retread, right? I mean, I think a lot of people have had criticism of, of Harbaugh for. Uh, having a lot of former head coaches and and things like that, like you know Roman and and Kubiak and you know a couple of these guys who uh, you know kind of did their thing, came back and kind of took a lesser role here with the Ravens. And we never really developed anybody in house, you know, like people are talking about now with McVeigh and and Zach Taylor and all these young coaches, up, up and coming coaches and things like that. McDonald's that guy, right? I mean, he's been with the Ravens since 2014. I don't think he was in the NFL before that. Um, he left for one year to go coach in Michigan uh, as his defensive coordinator, and now he's back. So um, I really like it from just like a coach, uh, you know, development perspective. I think it's great. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, I, I think it's going to be a little bit of a uh, a fresh take on a scheme. But I mean, he's also familiar with what Wink's been doing. So, you know, there's going to be some carryover. I don't think it'll be a like drastic departure for the players in terms of having to learn a whole new scheme over again. But, uh, it, you know, it'll be a little bit different. So I'm excited for it. It's it's kind of cool what the Ravens are able to do with McDonald. Basically send him off to one of the Ravens, you know, AAA affiliates in, in Michigan. <laughs> the other two, of course, are Alabama and Oklahoma. And, you know, get a chance to, to just be, a, be the guy and get some seasoning there before coming back to the pros. Um, certainly helps when you're handing him off to a guy who happens to be your brother. Uh, so you have a great shot of, of luring him back but yeah I, I think that it's a good hire I know we talked about some other guys who might be a good fit um, Anthony Weaver was among them and I think that this is in in some ways better because obviously Anthony Weaver was a player here for a while but this was only will only be his second year as a coach in the system you got a guy here who's been there for longer has more of a repertoire with the players that understand his style um, his philosophy, his coaching style. And I, I think, you know, again, like we said last episode, and I want to emphasize this um, because I, I think we made this clear, but uh, just to further emphasize, like Wink Martindale is an excellent defensive coordinator and he's done great things for this team. I just think that, you know, the Ravens realized, hey, with the player personnel that we have here, 
that scheme, what Wink does really well, you know, it's either he's going to have to come in here and really change what he likes to do, or we're going to have to draft more personnel around that scheme, which, you know, that that's a gamble right there. You don't know if you're going to be able to get the players that work so well in Martindale's first two, three years with this team. So, yeah, and the fact that this guy got some seasoning with college, I mean, I think he's going to work really well with the younger guys, which this defense is trending very young. And we see a, a decent amount of the vets that are on this defense, that were on this defense this past season. You know, there's going to be multiple of those guys who aren't going to be here next year, and that's just going to make the defense even younger. So, all in all, it seems like a good move for where the team defense is right now, unfortunately at the expense of a guy who's been just great in all phases for this organization. But yeah, I think Ravens fans have to look at this positively and, and be excited for what's going to happen with this guy uh, and the unit next year. I thought it was really exciting when uh, Aiden Hutchinson of Michigan was really praising Mike McDonald for uh, really unlocking his ability and making him uh, what might now be like the number one pick in this year's draft. Great edge rusher. He talked about looking, uh, you know, standing up and being able to see things better and not having to have his hand in the dirt. And it makes me excited to think about other Ravens players who might be able to uh, embrace what they're better at, what they're more natural at, and just get the most out of them in their most natural positions. I think we talked about it last time when we were talking about the candidates, but one thing I was looking for was people that uses players for what they are and just like maybe simplify scheme in that regard. And it seems like that might be what McDonald's going to bring to the organization. So really excited for this. He's a young guy. I think that's exciting too. We'll see how long he lasts. I think if he does well for us and he has a lot of tools to succeed, he might be a coach soon. I wish we had some uh, awards music, but uh, tonight, <laughs> tonight we're going to do the Ravens recap 2021 lists episode as well. So without our awards music, we'll just get started by talking about the top offseason acquisitions. Peter, why don't you kick us off? Yeah. Um, so this will be an interesting list because um, before, right before we all jumped on the call, we talked about what this list actually meant and we all kind of had different ideas on it. So I'm interested to see what we all come up with. Uh, the way I did it was I kind of just took it as an umbrella and said like anyone who is new to the organization this year or under a new contract. So I included players that were re-signed. I included rookies. I included free agents. I included coaches. Um, and to start off my list at number five, I think the signing of Kevin Zeitler uh, worked out very well for the Ravens. Um, very solid player the entire year. Um, I'm not someone who delves super deep into the offensive line uh, when I watch the game recaps, but whenever I watched the film, it seemed like this guy was always in the right place, always making good blocks, both in run blocking and pass protection. Maybe a guy who deserved a, a Pro Bowl nomination this year. I don't know. Hard to compare to the rest of the league uh, when you don't actually get the chance to watch all the film, but I think Kevin Zeitler lived up to what we were expecting from him in year one, and there were a lot of games where he was, you know, the only guy you could really count on on the offensive line. So I guess that makes his performance a little more impressive in 2021. Yeah, that's a good choice, uh, Peter. I actually, I have Zeitler number two on my list. Um, I'm actually surprised you have four other people or four other uh, people or players ahead of that, ahead of Zeitler. That <laughs> seems like a lot. But my number five, this might be a little controversial here. Well, controversial is maybe not the right word, but maybe surprising might be one. Uh, I had Geno Stone, actually, as uh, number not five. Not a surprise, brother. 
That's a um, good one. If you guys recall, I mean, he was a seventh-round pick for us in 2020, but then he was released, went to Houston for a little bit, and then the Ravens actually re-signed him this year. You know, and, and actually, funny story too. <laughs> I had five players before you just mentioned that, Peter, and then I went back and added a few coaches, and their stones still kept my list. <laughs> so, yeah, I I thought he was a you know a pretty good acquisition. I mean, you know, at the beginning of the season, we didn't really think he was going to play, but once Elliott went down and the Ravens, uh, you know, had to try and figure out who was going to be the other safety uh, because you know Brandon Stevens kind of wasn't exactly I think ready for a starting role. Stone played pretty well down the stretch, and so I think uh, the Ravens were happy to get him back. Yeah, for sure. He's on my list as well, but not at number five. Number five will be Rashad Bateman. Uh, I didn't know if rookies counted, and then when I found out they did, I had to sneak him in, so they kind of uh, went on the back of my list, (laughs) Uh, mainly because they weren't the ones who got away, in a way, um, or they weren't, um, I don't know. I mean, obviously, they're all competed on in the draft, but it just felt a little different of an acquisition, so... Nevertheless, I went with Bateman. I think he's going to be huge for this team going forward. Uh, Nothing but excitement about Bateman and the way he's played. Um, I think it speaks for itself. I'll go uh, next, I guess. Round Robin style. Round Robin snake. Yeah, the snake. (laughs) Okay. So uh, next up, I had uh, Adafi Owe. It's kind of similar to Bateman. I think the Ravens really did a good job with their two first round picks. Um, I think a lot of people thought they would trade back and try to get more picks. But I think they just love these players, and for good reason. It made me very excited to see them pick, because I kind of have that confidence. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like when the Ravens make a pick, particularly in the first round, they mean business, you know? <laughs> like, Because uh, they're always looking to get more draft capital and trade back if they think there's value to be had. And when they didn't move, I, I was just like, oh, wow. Like, they must really like this guy. And OA, just, he's flashed so much potential. I think he's raw and we'll just continue to improve. And I could see him being one of the top players in the NFL in short order. Yeah, I think definitely going back to uh, the McDonald's signing, I think he's going to be huge for his development in year two. You know, it's actually funny. I uh, might be getting a little ahead of myself too, but Hutchinson's not the only uh, player on the Michigan squad who the Ravens could target. Um, he's right. probably going to be picked a little bit too high, but Ojabo is another name of yep. the rusher on the other side that um, also played with Oway. So, it's funny because I feel like I was really high on Quiddy Pay last year. He's also from Michigan, and it was just it was a year too early. There's like a there's a real opportunity here with the Ravens picking uh, where they are this year, and that they could really get somebody special to pair with him. But uh, yeah, uh, going into my number four, uh, kind of related. Uh, I actually had Anthony Weaver. I thought he was a great uh, coaching pickup. I think the especially the second half of the season where you got to see a lot of our younger players on the defensive line pick up. Uh, yeah, Menabuke, Washington, Mac. A few of those guys, um, you know, I think that they all really took a big step up this year. And I think Weaver was probably a big uh, portion of that. So hoping he can definitely stick around. I know he might have been getting some defensive coordinator buzz for some other teams. But if he's able to stick around for, you know, at least another year, I think it'll be huge for some of the guys uh, on the squad. Nice. Yeah, that's a great pick. Uh, Anthony Weaver was my just missed it honorable mention at number six on my list. But for number four, I also went coaching you know we looked at the end of last season and what was the biggest thing that the Ravens needed to improve the play from the wide receiver position they went out and they got T Martin from Kansas City uh, and he the receiving core was one of the biggest strengths if not the biggest strength overall from this team this year Um, and I think you got to look at the guy who's coaching them as a huge reason for that Um, you know we saw obviously Marquise Brown started out the season 
red hot, faltered a bit down the stretch. Some of that had to do with quarterback play. Some of it was his hamstring injury, but um, he was certainly on pace for a career year. We saw big production from Bateman, Duvernay and Prochet stepped up. Even Wallace had some improvement. Um, So yeah, I think that was a great signing for the Ravens and and much needed uh, for this team. And then number three, uh, already mentioned, but Odafe Owe, pass rush, huge need for this team going forward to find someone young uh, just to be that pass rusher. Owe, like we already said, raw athleticism has to develop some moves, but um, certainly has the talent and big playability to be able to develop into um, a consistent pass rusher year in and year out. Nice. Yeah, if you guys haven't noticed yet, I haven't actually picked any rookies on my offseason acquisitions, but I do think Ohe and Bateman are both uh, really good choices. Uh, my number three, sort of related, the guy who's uh, coaching him up, Justin Houston. Uh, that was a great signing for the Ravens. Um, it's just really unfortunate. I uh, you know, hope he may be able to come back for another year because he played so well with us um, from a pass rush and from a run defense uh, perspective. I thought he was just a really great contributor. Great player, kind of wrong time with all the injuries. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with him. I, you know, like I said, I, I hope he can come back for another year, but um, I wouldn't blame him if he didn't want to. I, I wish it could have been a little bit different just from his sake because I feel like he was almost underutilized in this system and he could have had an even bigger year if, if everybody around him was uh, also playing at their best. Unfortunately, Houston was not on my list and that was just oversight. I think, uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. Like, I really like these players and I, I don't know where I'd slate him in, but uh, he, he was a great, great choice. Um, I, I do think the offseason acquisitions after we opened it up to coaching staff and um, draft and everything, there was a lot of really great candidates. So I'm excited that we all get to talk about him a little bit. Josh Bynes. Josh Bynes, known uh, beer ower, uh, came back to the Ravens in their moment of need and filled in admirably. I think he helped with Patrick Queen's development. I think that he uh, settled down the defense and it was a big reason the defense improved the second half of the season. And uh, he is just a guy who wants to stay and end his career with the Ravens. I hope that the Ravens front office feels like that's a good idea. I think he's just an extremely valuable player to come off the bench, you know, hoping that obviously Queen and Harrison could take those next steps. But uh, yeah, Josh Bynes, man, I just, I'm a big fan of him. So he's my number three. To be clear, he's a, he's a beer OE, not a beer OER, right? You owe him a beer. So he's the OE. Ah, yes. Yes. He's the OE. <laughs> okay. <laughs> O-E, I just want to make sure, I just want to make sure our <laughs> listeners know that and that, not that he like owes you a beer or something. <laughs> Hey, Josh, if you want to give me a beer for being your biggest yeah. advocate, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, if, if you're listening to this and, and you don't know yet that Josh Bynes is the one who Alec owes a beer, you either are not a consistent listener or you're a new listener. Yeah. Long time joke since 2019. Uh, since the beginning of the pod. So this is 149 episodes, everybody. It'd be really great if Josh Bynes got back to us about being on the 150th episode. <laughs> I did actually reach out to him, but uh, unfortunately, uh, radio silence on his end. <laughs> All right. Number two, Geno Stone. I put Geno Stone as number two. You know why? Because he was PFF's 53rd rated guy. And we cut him. We played fast and loose with him. And somehow he found his way back to the roster. He almost felt like he was in the doghouse, similar to uh, Tyson Williams, but Tyson Williams was able to keep a roster spot where like Stone just wasn't seeing the field last year when we thought maybe like he could benefit the team and we were wondering what was going on. And then 
it honestly took a little bit of time for him to find the field this year. But then when he uh, wore the green dot, when Chuck Clark was out for COVID, I thought he did a great job there. And then he grew in his role as after that moment, he just became more and more trusted. And I could see him being a big part of the rotational defense. Uh, the Ravens deploy next year. I feel like he could have gotten away. There's so many opportunities for another team to pick him up and keep him and hold on to him. I was excited to see when he got re-signed in the offseason. And I just felt like from all these players, he had like the least expectations. And I thought he paid off pretty well. Nice. Well, since I already talked about Stone and uh, Peter, actually, you already uh, mentioned Kevin Zeidler. So he's my number two. So why don't you go ahead and give your number two? Sounds good. Yeah, my number two um, is kind of, you know, this is an asterisk, but I also include included in my thoughts like who are players who you know they're technically not they're not new but they're acquisitions in the fact that they would have been gone if the Ravens hadn't resigned them and for that I have to include Tyus Bowser on the list especially when you consider the fact that the Ravens organization has been having difficulty as of late keeping these outside linebackers obviously Matt Judon and Darius Smith and, and Pernell McPhee you know getting them to stick around on a second contract. Um, the ability to keep Tyus Bowser was um, incredible. And he built on his breakout season of 2020 to have uh, just an excellent year uh, in 2021. Hopefully he's able to come back from his injury by the start of next season um, and continue to be an impact on this defense because he's a critical piece moving forward. And then number one, uh, this guy's already been mentioned, uh, but I mean, this guy's going to be the real deal, and I think next year we're going to see a Pro Bowl season out of this guy. Uh, Rashad Bateman, just this is the kind of guy that the Ravens have been trying so hard to find at the wide receiver position for so long. I understand that there were some games this year where he kind of disappeared. I'm not sure if that was game script or what, but he had some big games this year, some big moments, some very impressive catches, uh, exceptional route running ability, great hands. This guy is going to be a, a staple in this offense for years to come, and I just can't wait to see what he's going to do uh, once the season starts. Great choice, man. Um, yeah, I, I think you already mentioned it, but my number one uh, has to go to T. Martin and Keith Williams. It's funny, about a year ago today, we were talking about them uh, being hired on this Raven squad, and we thought it was a great fit just because of you know coming off that loss to the divisional uh, round to the Bills. Uh, when Hollywood Brown was like, look, we just uh, we need some balance. We're the 32nd ranked uh, passing attack in the league. Uh, we need to get a little bit better in the passing game, and we need to do it uh, fast. Uh, I think these two guys were, were honestly just like super critical to this. I mean, it, it's just amazing, I think. And we've said this before. I don't want to belabor it too much, but I mean, historically, the Ravens have had absolutely no luck with wide receivers at all. Just always relying on on vets to come in and, and produce for us. And uh, we love a lot of those guys, Bolden, Steve Smith Sr., Derek Mason, but we can never really grow anybody in-house. And I, I felt like this year was probably one of, you know, the most pronounced year in terms of wide receiver quality. I mean, we had a 1A in Hollywood Brown. We had a 1B in Bateman. Watkins was uh, pretty good, at least in the uh, first half of the season. And then we had all these role player guys who really stepped up this year and played well. And I mean, I, I, hell man, even you go back like Tylen Wallace is probably like the bottom receiver on the depth chart, maybe above Miles Boykin. But I mean, you look at him and you like, I see potential there. And this isn't like Tommy Streeter, uh, you know, Chris Moore potential. <laughs> this is like something more than that. And I, I feel like, uh, 
you know, a huge part of that had to have been from those guys and just contributing, you know, contributing their expertise and, and helping evolve this offense too. So I think, you know, we'll see if both those guys are back here next year, but I, I think the uh, their influence has been stamped and we'll continue to see this offense moving in the right direction. Yes, uh, the Bills lost their offensive coordinator to the uh, head coaching job at the Giants and apparently uh, T has been tapped on the shoulder to uh, get interviewed for that position, which I think is a big jump for him. And, you know, if that would happen, you know, best of luck to him. Uh, obviously we missed and honestly Chris I think you gave a very compelling argument why they should be the number one choice and in our coming up lists I think uh, you'll see their stamp on uh, on that but mine it was Eitler I mean the guy was the only guy that was uh, new or filling in so to speak on the offensive line that actually produced uh, at a super high level he was the backbone of it him and Bozeman were the only guys who you just felt like week in and week out were highly reliable. Every other position had their issues, mainly because of injury. But, you know, it just, uh, you really appreciate what he brought to the table. I don't think it should be overlooked how he helped the team uh, identify coverages and um, kind of took some of that load off of Bozeman. So, uh, yeah, Zeitler was just like a, that veteran presence that the line needed, particularly when everyone went down with injury and I think uh, that's why the center of the line, those like, you know, three guards had so much success. Really good list. I mean, I, I think it really speaks to how good last year's offseason was for the Ravens in the fact that all three of us left certain players out of our list. And whenever someone else brought them up, we were just like, oh, man, I should have included them. But then who do I drop from my list? Yep. Very good. Very enjoyable. All right, so from that list, we're going to go on to an interesting list, which might get controversial. Um, we're going to talk about the five most disappointing players from this season. Again, I guess just players who were performed below the level of play we were expecting from them or maybe hoping from them. I let off the last one. I'll let someone else lead off this one. Chris, you got volunteered. Uh, <laughs> you guys probably aren't going to like this. Uh if, uh, that's the this, point of this this is this is where <laughs> this is where we need to uh play that little bit from last year where you guys were both hyping up josh oliver um <laughs> i love it i love it <laughs> chris uh, kept the receipts <laughs> i kept the receipts um yeah dude i mean he uh, i don't know uh, he definitely a little underwhelmed in terms of the third tight end hayden hurst was way better of a third tight end than oliver uh, was this year, and I think even some people, people in the fan base, didn't even think Hurst was that good. Yeah, he did absolutely nothing. Uh, <laughs> it just—I I don't know. I mean, it's just generally a very quiet option. Just really wasn't a reliable receiving threat. He had a couple of fumbles, which weren't great, and just overall didn't really have a huge impact on this team. So, <laughs> you guys hyped him up so much. I feel like his stock went down for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I didn't consider him because he didn't like profusely disappoint me in a way, which is interesting because I, I know I was one of his biggest boosters, but uh, I get what you're saying. The Ravens clearly tried to make him a thing in the preseason. They were targeting him like crazy. And yeah, he just, uh, he was a flyer. I think that was worth the attention, but just didn't end up paying out, unfortunately, for the Ravens. And I, I don't remember his contract situation, if he'll definitely be back next year. Uh, Harbs mentioned his presser that they'd be looking to add a tight end. So <laughs> it's not very promising for a team that really should only hold three tight ends. Uh, so 
Yeah. Rip, Jeff Oliver. I guess I'll go next. My number five, he didn't even play. It was Derek Wolf. And uh, maybe that's unfair to him because of the injuries. But um, I mean, we originally called this stock down. So not just disappointing, but like <laughs> stock down. His stock is down. Like <laughs> I was excited about him coming back uh, and being a contributor on this team. But after all these injuries, I just am quite concerned that he won't be the same player. So uh, stock down on Derek Wolf. Yeah, Derek Wolf's a bit of an unfortunate story. I mean, you know, he signed these vet free agents, and I mean, Wolf had an excellent year, probably one of the best seasons of his career from a run stopping perspective last year, and just injuries took over and um, he couldn't overcome them. I, I think I definitely should have included Josh Oliver in my list now that Chris brings him up. Um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, so part of that, like, so if we roll back the tape, Alec and I, neither of us guaranteed that Josh Oliver would be a success. If I recall what our initial excitement was, was simply just the fact that it was a it was a low-risk um, move with the potential for this guy to at least be, you know, half the receiving tight end that Hayden Hurst was. And he wasn't. And, you know, I, I think the Ravens made a... It was a good idea that at least just going off this year, we'll see if they give him a, a second opportunity. Um, it didn't work out. Um, but I, I do agree. Yeah, Josh Oliver did not show much once the lights actually turned on to actually look like he is the answer at number three tight end. Speaking of Hayden Hurst, uh, the Falcons didn't pick up his option. So he will be a free agent this year. That'll be interesting to see if he wants a reunion, if no one wants to give him a starting job. But we're getting ahead of ourselves there. Um, for me, number five on the stock down list, um, Miles Boykin, man, uh, you know, injuries uh, kept him off the field to begin the season. And then once, you know, we talked so much about how this was such a great year for wide receivers uh, in the last segment. And uh, Miles Boykin had one catch for six yards. And I don't even think without looking, can either of you tell me what game that catch was again was in? I don't remember the game, but I remember the route. Okay. That wasn't the question, though. I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't remember. Was it was it the Bears game? It was not the Bears game. Ah, drats. Which one was it? I didn't know either, but, I, but <laughs> I'm just looking at it right now. So Great. I would not have guessed this game. It was against the Chargers, apparently. Ah, okay. Okay. Um, maybe in garbage time. I don't know. But yeah, Boykin, um, obviously, you know, run blocking and special teams were his big value to the team in his first two seasons. But we really hoping that this guy, especially with his size, 6'4", 220, could at least, if nothing else, uh, be somewhat of a red zone target, which he was in 2020. Um, you know, in 2020, in the second half of the season, uh, he had four touchdowns for this team. You know, it looked like that was kind of going to be his niche going into this season, but it just it just never materialized for one reason or another. And he has to be firmly on the bubble, and I wouldn't be shocked if he's cut before uh, training camp this year. Um, just really, really disappointing season for him. Uh, and then for number four, I guess I'm going right back to that same draft class. Uh, Jalen Ferguson, uh, supposed sack daddy, still not sack daddy in the NFL. Um, now, he did have a couple games where he was decent against the run. Um, but again, you know, you can't name those games off the, off the top of your head without looking back, you know, in the film. And I think someone like that you know again we've seen with a lot of these outside linebackers that the Ravens have been drafting Bowser Smith not Judon uh who am I thinking of Paul Kruger uh you know they, they were late bloomers it took them a couple seasons to to get in the flow of things but even all three of those guys like they had flash plays 
early in in their first couple seasons before they broke out. I, I don't can't really think of any flash plays this guy has had, uh, and it's it's just starting to look like he he might be a bust, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, disappointing season from from Jalen Ferguson this year. I'm not like super hopeful. Uh, but I will say, you know, again, going back to McDonald, I feel like, um, you know, maybe Ferguson was one of those players who's just like, you know, he still could be a good player, but the, you know, wing scheme that we were running just wasn't doing him any favors. So, I mean, there, there still is a chance, at least for next season, the Ravens bring him back for one more year and maybe he's able to put it together in a sort of a simplified scheme for him. But, uh, you know, I'm not holding my breath on that, but it, it still could happen. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's my my take. Is I think I agree with you. I think the the new scheme is an excellent spot for him, but unfortunately for him, it's it's going to be his uh, his last shot, at least with the Ravens. Yeah, I think Ferguson's definitely really disappointing. As is obviously Miles Boykin. Uh, Miles Boykin just fell off the face of the universe. Obviously, we brought in really good competition for him, but uh, yeah, he's just he's going to be a cut for sure. He's just two million dollars is too rich for what he brings to the team. And then Ferguson, man, uh, what a disappointment. You know, you look at his measurables, 6'5", 275. You just feel like that guy could get, you know, leverage with his long arms and, and just be able to, like, you know, generate a pass rush. And it hasn't happened yet. One thought I had is I wonder if he could bulk up and move in uh, on the defensive line and be a threat there. Um, but I just don't know, like, at this stage of his career, if, if that's a, a move that he is willing to make or is, like, going to actually be beneficial to his career. But, uh, you know, as a linebacker, I just I wonder if he's I don't think he has the ceiling at this point to displace the other outside linebackers we have. But I could see him finding a way on this team or even being a resource in the league if he finds a way to be um, an impactful defensive end or even a defensive tackle. I just I just don't know, like how realistic it is for him to bulk up in that way and transform his body. So to stick with the theme of uh, defensive line players that were disappointing, my next pick was uh, McPhee. And I feel bad putting him on the list because he's getting older. But the guy just like went from being a really solid producer last year and uh, a really nice pickup for the Ravens to just not a real threat. So that's really all I have to say about McPhee. It's kind of sad. I think, I think it was his last year as a Raven or even in the NFL. And then uh, this guy is, I think, going to be controversial. It might... Uh, make people upset i'm saying it but uh i'm gonna say stock down on justin matabuke stock down i mean Hmm. i think he played well this year and he had his flashes but i just expected even more this year and i'm just wondering if it's gonna come maybe again you know maybe mike mcdonald is the the panacea for all these young guys to really execute on their potential but uh i just thought he was gonna be a lot more than he ended up being this year and i feel like year two is a a good year for that breakout not to say it can't happen year three but Stock's a little bit down, a little more doubt. Not all bright eyed, bushy tailed. You were you were you were buying into all the uh, the hype that Clayus Campbell was putting up on him. He's like, this guy's the best. He's gonna be so I'm good. Very impressed with this young man. <laughs> <laughs> you continue to impress me. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fair. Um, yeah, a little controversial, but uh, that's a, that's a fair take. I, I respect that. Um, I'm not saying the stock is down in the dumps. I'm just saying it's not as high as it once yeah. was. That's true. That's true. I think he. I think he's a buy low. Buy the dip. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, fair. some of these yeah, other guys I mean, do not buy. <laughs> Liquidate. That's true. Get what you can. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say I I disagree. I think I think yeah. First half of the season, um, he was inconsistent um, and disappeared in certain games. I think he had a really good second half of the season. Um, in particular uh, against Green Bay, I thought he had one of his best games of the season, and obviously that sack on Rodgers was huge in that game. Um, just buoyed his way inside there for the sack. But yeah, I mean, I, w- I will agree. I think overall, was I expecting more from him this year? Absolutely. Um, but for me personally, not enough for me to put him um, in uh, top five most disappointing, or even to say that this season was a was a disappointment, just didn't reach the loftiest of expectations but um but yeah i i think that's a that's an interesting take and i i think um that's that's good to put something out there that's maybe less obvious and obviously we have huge hopes for this guy going into next season all right well alex since you gave two players um that means we got to skip you the next time because remember i was the other end of the snake so ah my bad (laughs) (laughs) but um no we're gonna have a lot of talk about with this one Uh, my number four is uh your guy james prochet oh this is offensive yeah i know i know i know (laughs) well so so here okay so so here's what i got right so i i agree with you got miles boykin uh, he wasn't even on this because I think his his stock is like zero at this point. Like, um, I didn't even feel like I needed to put it down there or is controversial. <laughs> I, I don't think he's going to be back next year. Um, I think the Ravens have shown they just they have a number of guys who can contribute who have stepped up and just Boykin wasn't one of those uh, names this year. I think it was really telling too when he and Bateman both were on IR at the beginning of the season and then Bateman came back and was thrust in the offense. Boykin basically didn't have a role at that point so i think the writing was already on the wall prochet you know man like uh, he's been a contributor i just he hasn't done enough to separate himself i think this year i mean duvernay is is still found ways to contribute um he's you know even a little bit more in the passing game this year um you know he's, he's been a weapon seems like the coaching staff likes him but then at the tail end of the year um just wallace was getting a lot of snaps over him and I feel like that was just kind of a sign that just there, there's something about Prochet that the coaching staff doesn't like and really not giving a whole lot of opportunities. And I feel like, um, you know, it might not be his fault, but I, <laughs> uh, whether it is or not, I feel like his stock kind of has to be down from that. It's just, you know, something's, you know, he, he might be on this team next year. I'm not entirely sure. We'll have to see who the Ravens draft and if they want to bring in anybody else. But um, right now, kind of how I see it, it's just not looking so good for him. I'll talk about James later. Huh. Interesting. I'll just I'll just say my take. This is another pick I I disagree with. I will say, yeah, it was interesting that he was inactive for certain games down the stretch. Sammy Watkins getting the the presumed nod over him. I I just. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like when Prochet was called upon, he did his role very well. Um, now, you can make an argument, well, why was his number called so few times in the season? Why were there so few games where he was actually a featured part of the offense? And yeah, I mean, that's that's a fair argument. Um, but I, I, I do think he improved from what we saw last year, which I mean, last year was basically nothing, let's be honest. And I'm interested to see going forward, you know, I don't expect Sammy Watkins to be back. Does that mean an increased role for Prochet? Um, is Prochet just not a just is Prochet just a good receiver who just doesn't have a role in an a Greg Roman offense? I think that's also a possibility. But yeah, I mean I, I, I do understand though the angle you're coming from, and I think it's a well formulated argument that I just don't agree with. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, no, I, I get everything you're saying. I'm not saying anything that's wrong. And I do think there are major red flags with him being inactive those last two games that made me rage in various parking lots. <laughs> All right, who are we even... Does Chris give another one now? <laughs> you're right. No, yeah, I, I do do another one now. My yeah. number three, um, Malik Harrison. Um, Ooh, I know. One. <laughs> good one. He's not um, on my list, but that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, wow, there are so many more disappointments than we ever <laughs> considered. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, we, I think we were high both on him and Queen. Uh, Queen, obviously, I think, improved in the latter half of the season. I think he uh, kind of got to where we wanted him to be, but Harrison never really found his footing. We had to re-sign Bynes again, <laughs> which I feel like is pretty telling if you're a young inside linebacker and you get replaced with Josh Bynes. <laughs> um but uh, yeah, he uh, you know he he played sparingly. Uh, he played on special teams. I, I know he had that you know the injury. Gosh, I mean we're lucky he's still even a, on the team. Um, got shot in the leg over around Cleveland. So I mean we're lucky that he came back. Uh, but even before that, I, I feel like he never really kind of uh, found his his footing on this team. So um, I, again, kind of like Prochet, Like look, I'm not like I haven't given up on them. But just in terms of you know where they are right now, I, I feel like their stocks down. Malik Harrison just strikes me as a guy where you look at his ability, he almost looks like he should have been playing football in the 90s. You know? Yeah, he's got like, like that Erlacher build. Yeah, and I'm just like, I don't know if uh I don't know if there's a rate like a room for him in the NFL. Like, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just being unfair to him, but I just feel like the game's changed and he just seems like a little mm-hmm. too big and just like not, you know, quick enough to to really deliver with what the NFL is these days and all the responsibilities yeah. he'll have to stay on the field a lot. I don't know. I, mean, I like I said, that could be unfair, but you know, you just look at the NFL, you look at players and I think he sticks out a little bit. But my number three, it's along the same lines as Alec for Justin Matabuke. Um, so um, same thing, defensive player who had a good season, but you know, we were expecting more from Patrick queen. He obviously improved when he was on move to the weak side as has been stated you know billions of times everywhere and and again this is another guy who we're expecting could get a boost from mcdonald so we could finally see next year the complete patrick queen that that we expected when he was drafted in the first round but you know obviously Bynes was brought in immediately to replace malik harrison but he was also brought in to help patrick queen you know filling in in that lj fort role as kind of you know the the mentor on the field, you know the the um, the the Yoda to Queen's Luke Skywalker there, um, <laughs> basically. And even when he was moved over, he he was a lot better. He made a lot of splash plays, a lot of good plays. There were still times though where you're seeing this guy miss tackles, even in the second half of the season, and miss assignments. And all this is is a player growing. So I I I, I will say like. This is the guy on the list that I have the most hesitation of putting there. But again, just like with Alec and Matabuke, we're expecting huge things from this guy as a first-round pick. So again, this isn't a hate on Queen. It's just showing how big of our expectations are for the guy. And, uh, you know, he still needs some more work. And I think it's perfectly um, reasonable that he can put in that work. Um, But we still want to see more from this guy. I'm not going to go ahead here and just echo like Ken McCusick's talking points about Patrick Queen. But uh, what I will say about him is that we're putting a lot of weight and 
rose-colored glasses, so to speak, on what Mike McDonald might be able to do to all these players. Like, <laughs> obviously, we're excited about him, but I do think, like, even just in this episode, we've asked too much of him. <laughs> every single, every single, like, slightly underperforming or not great player, he's going to, like, drip his elixir on and they're just going to become all pros. Like, I mean, I isn't, <laughs> isn't that what the off-season is for? Is for, you know, us to, you know... <laughs> We just we, the Ravens just blew an eight and three, uh, you know, season. We we need something to put our hope into. Sure. No, I mean, look, I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. I think that there is, you know, another year for Patrick Queen will be huge to learn because what's undeniable about him is that he has a lot of raw skill and he's also a l- very inexperienced player even at the college level. Right. So yeah he has a lot more ceiling the gotcha with patrick queen is that like unless the Ravens plan to spend a crap ton of money to keep him around in the world that he does become worth doing that to you had the waste waste a lot of years where like you're trying to compete for a title waiting for him to mature so like was that a great first round pick i don't know um but yeah i i, I think that's like my only real that's not my only gripe with Queen, but like that's like just a gripe about what he was supposed to be for this franchise. I think was maybe unfair to even him uh, because of what kind of player he was, and maybe he had no business being selected in the first round. Which I kind of was saying, if I recall correctly, <laughs> that year I was just like, I don't think either. Like it was him and I forget the other candidate for inside linebacker, but I just thought neither of them were like first round guys. I, I, but yeah, yep, yeah. It's- it's interesting. We should uh, be a, a interesting uh, future episode as to look at some of Eric DaCosta's picks, uh, particularly recently, and, and picking really young, raw talent sort of guys. Um, I feel like that's a common theme over the last couple of drafts. Is you have a number of players like that, and uh, kind of go over is that strategy? Do we think it's working? Do we think it's not? It'll be an interesting discussion. Yeah. Oh yeah, that that's something. Yeah, I think we'll definitely do that in the draft preview episode. Um, I think it's definitely worth doing. All right. Um, then my number two, number two on my list makes me sad to have to put this guy on here because he's on this list basically for nothing that he did, but it's just the circumstances surrounding his injury. Nick Boyle was just never able to return to the field this season, and when he was out there, he was a shell of himself. And aside from a couple blocks, just made no impact plays and you really got to wonder I mean I guess we could put Stanley in the same category as well but you guys got to wonder what are we going to get from this guy going forward how much of a career does he have the injury that he had modern medicine is is astounding with what these players are able to come back from that they wouldn't have been able to even you know a couple decades ago but still yeah Boyle was um, I mean Harbaugh even said it in the presser today that Boyle was never full speed uh, this season so just a really disappointing circumstance for Boyle. Um, and luckily the Ravens had Ricard there who was able to do some of the things that Boyle does really well and help out uh, this rushing attack that needed a lot of help with the running back injuries there were. Um, but hopefully Boyle can come back and at least be most of the player that uh, he has been for this team in the past. I feel like we don't normally have two players on the roster where you're looking at them of, are they ever going to even come back from this injury like just concerns about their overall health. But then, you know, as I'm saying the sentence, there's actually three with Wolf, you know, like mm. you got these guys who are just 
missed the whole year or basically the whole year with injury from last year that that we just like don't know if they're ever going to be back because it's not normal to go into an offseason with an injury and not be back at all the next year or like not at a capacity to be like truly effective it's just i mean we hear about like them having a down year but just to be like not even available for so long horrible luck for the ravens I guess it's on me. My number two pick is Sammy Watkins. Why Sammy Watkins? I, I just look at the Ravens and their young personnel at the wide receiver position. And I think to myself, I'd rather let them develop than play Sammy Watkins. And then I think about like where our wide receiver group was. I know it's different now. It's more robust. But then you think about the rest of the NFL, and I imagine a lot of teams in the NFL feel similar. So it's it's going to be difficult. I do think he'll find a job. Don't get me wrong. I think Sammy Watkins will be on an NFL roster next year. But in what capacity? In what role? You know, maybe he's a guy that could really have benefited in Green Bay this year. They really seem to have needed somebody. Like I think he could have maybe really produced in that kind of outfit where they had a really clear number one, but then everyone else was kind of handled change. But. uh I just feel like when you have a roster of like young budding potential, Sammy Watkins is just not going to fit in. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, going back to the Bengals, man, I mean, you've got a year two player in Higgins, a year one player in Chase. Uh, I mean, I know you have Boyd there. He's, uh, I don't remember what year he's in. I mean, he's been around. He's on a second contract. But um, you got a lot of young guys on there who are contributing really good. So, yeah, I mean, the NFL might want to go younger in that position. But, yeah, it was a good one. He actually didn't hit my list, but um, – yeah, it's, it's, it's weird with Watkins, too, though, because, you know, the first couple of games we thought, yeah, he's a really great signing, exactly what we expected. I mean, he wasn't taking over games, but he was dependable, he was reliable. Um, but that latter half of the season was just not, you know, not the same guy, not the same offense. But, yeah, so that's a, that's a fair assessment. I will say I'm going to come in here and, and disagree once again. I think Watkins <laughs> was exactly what he was brought in to be, which was just to be a guy who – was going to be in there and and have a role as the number three option on this offense um, behind Mark Andrews and Hollywood until the young guys uh, were able to step up and and outperform him. Um, And, I mean, he was effective through the first six, seven games of the season, obviously had big catches against uh, the Raiders and um, did have potential game-tying catch against Pittsburgh, um, had the catch that set up the the winning touchdown against Chicago. Um, I know several commentators have mentioned that anyone could have made that catch, but still he was the guy in the place and did that. And we also have Sammy Watkins to thank for the fact for Justin Tucker's field goal, because if you recall, on that pass play that got the Ravens into position, Watkins did, I, I, at least for me, I, when, I, when I was watching it live, when Watkins caught it, I was just like, why isn't the guy going out of bounds? It seems like he should go out of bounds. He fought for an extra five, six yards there, extended his arm with the football as well, if I'm remembering correctly, and got the Ravens in the exact... I mean, I Justin Tucker's incredible. That Sammy Watkins um, doesn't gain that extra y- yard at the end. Tucker probably isn't making that kick. It's probably going to come just short. I, I just think at the end of the season, he just wasn't ready to uh, take that back seat to the young guys. Understandably so. I mean, he's not that old himself, but... His his ceiling just isn't as high as obviously not as high as a Bateman, and I think Duvernay and, and is more valuable to this offense from the versatility perspective than what Watkins brings. So 
Yeah, I mean, I I understand why you think he was a disappointment. I just look at it differently, and I think that's exactly what we were expecting him this season. Um, so I can't really put him as a disappointment from that perspective. My number two, uh, I'll go my two and one, I believe. Two, Tyson Williams. Uh, we thought it was Tyson season week one. <laughs> After week 17, man, uh, I don't even know if he's going to make the roster next year. So what <laughs> one incredible turn of events for him. Not, yeah, not in a good way. Yeah, I don't know. He just never could reclaim that kind of spot. It was just kind of a uh, did absolutely nothing after week two. So uh, still not really sure what happened there. But yeah, uh, stock was up for two weeks. You should have sold then. And then, yeah, that was, that was about it. So <laughs> And so for my number one, uh, you know what? I got I to gotta be honest. Originally, I had um, I had Big Al here, but uh, reflecting on it, I, I'm not sure if stock down was the was the right choice. Um, I think even then, like I remember, I think I remember saying when we uh, picked up him and Zeitler that um, hopefully one of them would hit, and I, we were right. You know, Zeitler hit. Uh, Av just did not hit. Um, I feel like I have to go Stanley at this point because of what you guys were saying earlier, just we don't know if he's going to come back. And even if he does, we don't know what level he's going to come back at. I really think that, you know, coming back for that one game, not looking great at all. And then immediately going back for surgery. I mean, that's, I don't know. That's really concerning to me. So yeah, I don't know. I, I would have understood if they would have kept them on the pup for a few weeks and then, you know, come back week seven, week eight, week nine, and then be able to play okay, like I would have been more confident. But the fact that we're losing him for another season and we don't know if he's even going to be healthy, it's just that makes me really worried. Um, so just from like a you know Ravens perspective, I, you know I don't know what they're going to do. Are they going to try and, and find another left tackle in the draft next year? Are they going to try and pick up somebody else? Because um, you know I, I think the Ravens are realizing. Look, I mean. <laughs> You know, if the teams out here like the Bengals are coming in and just hitting on a draft pick real quick and and having this like fantastic offense and they're able to make the Super Bowl, um, the Ravens have got to figure out are they going to, you know, switch gears and move in that direction or are they going to try and build for the long term? Um, and I think Stanley is, is absolutely like a, a huge question mark for them as to what they want to do. So, yeah, I, I don't know if that's in particular like a player stock down maybe not but just like in terms of like effect of the franchise like it's a big question mark for me his contract's so brutal uh, for the ravens if he does not come back to a starting caliber level and and not just like i mean obviously anything less than uh really what he was before will be a huge blow just because of how much we're paying him but yeah you just hope that the guy's able to come back and and succeed and yeah it's just it's just a scary injury my uh, number one stock down, I'll, I'll fill them in there for you, Chris. It has to be AV. And I feel like it's a little unfair because you even said, uh, I remember. I think you also said, not just when you were saying, I hope one of them hits, I think you also said, uh, Steelers fans were ready to get rid of him, so hopefully he's able to like, rejuvenate <laughs> his career. <laughs> and then like every single Ravens fan wanted to get rid of him, and then every like level-headed Ravens fan was like, yeah, okay, for who? <laughs> like Who did you have in mind? <laughs> <laughs> to play tackle yeah so uh, it feels a little unfair uh he could be retiring and uh, i think the ravens would appreciate that from this cap perspective but uh you know if av's back next year he won't be back on his contract as it is now he'll definitely get cut um because i think six million is a little too rich for what he showed but harb said it well i think in the end of the game presser that 
AV actually has best two games, the last two games of the season. So, you know, you don't want to bet on him going into the future. Obviously, tackle is a huge problem for this team, and I have huge concerns about it. It it gives me the heebie-jeebies to spend high draft capital slash free agency dollars on a position that should be relatively handled based off the talent in-house, but like it's too big of a bet when you have lmr jackson in my opinion like you gotta overcompensate there it just i just i hate overcompensating when things work out you know i'm always just i'm just a bigger risk taker i think the most like i always just like want to go for optimal rather than uh conservative <laughs> and yeah it just it this really grinds my gears i'm curious to see how eric DaCosta handles it so i originally also like chris had uh big al as number one uh as recently as before chris mentioned who his number one uh was but between what i said about nick boyle and chris's explanation as well i think that the correct answer to final jeopardy here is who is ronnie stanley um and again like boyle it's out of his control as well he obviously didn't want to be hurt this year um he wanted to come back and continue playing at an all-pro level but you know, and especially when you look at the fact that he was the highest draft pick the Ravens had had in, in years, and hopefully the Ravens don't have to be in that position again. Uh, we look at it from that direction as well. Um, this guy's really valuable to this team. Um, and, you know, with, with, with Al, he got a lot of crap for the situation that he fell into. The Steelers got rid of him for a reason. Players... Fate. I honestly, you know, if we're going to say that Big Al is a disappointment, you could also make the argument that we should also put Devonta Freeman and, and Latavius Murray in this list. Not as strong because we didn't pay big free agent dollars for the guys, sure, but ideally Stanley plays the whole season and Phillips plays well enough to keep Villanueva as a rotational tackle. I mean, no matter how you look at it, the tackle situation as a whole was the most disappointing aspect of this Ravens team this past season. So uh, I think you could put Stanley or Big Al in there, maybe even Phillips, um, and you would probably be right. All right. Well, after all that negativity, um, and we're going to have our our most positive and upbeat member of the podcast start off this section as well, we're going to look at the top five improved players. And so Alec, can you start us off with that? Number five, Patrick McCarry. He uh, brought his lunch pail in and just delivered uh, at the right tackle. And I think he just fought all year long and he earned himself as the jack of all trades on our offensive line, a contract to keep him in the purple and black. And that makes me excited. So I think McCary proved himself this year as a real uh, asset and he got paid. All right. Yeah, that's a great pick. He didn't make mine, but um, certainly someone worthy of this list. Uh, for me, number five might be slightly controversial based on the way this guy ended the season, but I thought at the beginning of the season, uh, Hollywood Brown looked like a borderline Pro Bowl receiver. Outside of the Detroit game, where obviously he had a couple drops, um, he was just making a ton of big plays. Uh, he was a consistent deep threat for this team. Basically willed the Ravens to uh, come from behind victory against Minnesota. And then unfortunately, after that game, um, there was the hamstring injury, and then Lamar got hurt. Uh, I think he would have had a bigger year if if not for that. It's unfortunate to me. I, I feel kind of bad for the guy. Like, we don't really know this much about these people, but just hearing some of the people call into local radio and just 
berate this guy because he drops the ball sometimes or, or like make comparisons that he's going to be another head case like Antonio Brown just because they're cousins. I'm like, hey, come on. I, I, this is so unfair. It's just and it's baseless. I don't know. I think this, it's just been unfortunate to me to see like this guy kind of get a little more heat than he deserves from certain sections of the fan base. And I think he improved. Sure, we would have loved to see him play as well with Huntley as he did with Lamar. And I think that's something that, you know, isn't something to be just be brushed over. That's something that needs to be looked deeply into as to why that was. But I, I still think he made strides this season and uh, he has a bright future um, looking into 2022. Definitely. Uh, he's actually number three on my list. So I, at least for me, not controversial. I just actually went back and watched uh, some Omar Jackson highlights. Uh, I think the Ravens have like a 30 minute video on their YouTube or something. And most of the <laughs> first, you know, 10 minutes are all from Hollywood Brown. Um, get some incredible catches so uh still hit you know hey he still hit over a thousand yards i mean that's a career high for him so um it's good but yeah we'll uh we'll see what happens next year with you know hopefully everybody's healthy and uh i I think we'll we'll really get to see what we were hoping to see this year my number five um i i I had trouble picking between the two um but i'll go with broderick washington i kind of had my bouquet on here too just kind of like jump together of but I think Washington was probably the biggest surprise. Again, I remember us going back to the offseason when he got into that. Um, I don't even remember. He got an arrest for something. I'll have to recap. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to recap or unrecap. You know, we're talking about him. Like, you know, we hadn't really seen much of him at all in this rookie season. He'd be an easy cut candidate. But came back from that and just uh, played amazing. Um, you know, it, not you know not Pro Bowl level, but just uh, the level of improvement I think was was really great, unexpected. Um, so yeah, I mean I'm just looking forward to next year to see if he can kind of continue that growth. Yeah, that's a really good pick and another one that didn't make my list. Um, but I'm going to go defense again for number four, and you know another another one. This one I think is actually going to be controversial among among listeners. I'm interested to see what you guys think of this one, but. Um, I thought Anthony Averett stepped up and and had a very big season. Obviously, it was not perfect. Uh, The Colts game was not good. Uh, There were other times where he got picked on as well in certain situations, but there was, I think there was more good than bad this year from Averett, and he was asked to step into a much bigger role on this defense after some big names in the secondary went out on injury, and time and time again, he answered the call. Now, you know, would I have rather had Marcus Peters there instead of Averett? Absolutely. But, you know, the, the, he had some big games and against Cincinnati, actually, he matches up very well with those wide receivers. And he made some big plays in the first game in particular. We didn't see much of him in the second game because he got hurt early on in that. But, you know, he he, he was a scapegoat a bit in some some areas of Ravens Twitter and Reddit for some of the defensive struggles that the Ravens had early on. And yeah, he was not faultless. He did not have a perfect season, but I think that he made a lot of improvements and is going to be a serviceable guy going forward uh, for this defense. I don't think that's controversial at all. I don't bench it for me. I'll go ahead and talk about the guy I didn't really want to put on my list, but felt undeniable. Mark Andrews. He took another step. I always thought very highly of him, but now everyone thinks highly of him. Um, (laughs) So I guess that's cool. But uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, he definitely took a step, undeniable, definitely improved. So uh, yeah, Mark Andrews, go ahead and take number four. All right. Who knows what we're doing anymore? Uh, we're out of order, but I'm going to go uh, my number four. <laughs> we're not doing snake draft anymore. Uh, Patrick Queen. Yeah. I mean, a little bit disappointing from 
maybe from where we expected the first couple of weeks were rough but by the end of the season i thought he bounced back really well um yeah we'll see um i don't know man like the whole conversation about like the mike and the will position and just the differences of that like i don't i don't know i don't i don't fully i don't fully buy that like you need to stick them in one position and like that's what you have to know like i don't i, I don't I feel like if you're playing in any position on this defense, you have to have, you, you have to know what plays you're running. You have to know what people are doing around you. And like, you don't like the mic isn't also have to be somebody with a green dot either. So, I mean, that's Chuck Clark for us. So it's not like there's any more like added communication in my opinion. So like, you know, even though, yeah, he wasn't playing the mic quote unquote, because Bynes was doing that. He was in plenty of packages on the field. His snap counts were high, you know, as high as anybody outside the secondary, especially by the end of the season. I think there's a chance that he can come back and he can reclaim that spot. It's not that he can never not go back there, right? Um, I think it's a little bit overblown, in my opinion. I think he's just, again, kind of what we talked about earlier, young player, of still learning the position, still kind of going through some stuff. We'll, we'll see what happens, but I like that he trended up. Um, and it wasn't just for a couple games. I think it was for a good, you know, second half, 10 games of the season. He played really well. So um, I think he's uh, definitely improved from where he was last year. This moment might be controversial as well, but I think Peter mentioned how when this guy was missing, the defense didn't look as good. And then it kind of got a little unproven when he missed the back half of the year. But I'm going to go and say Deshaun Elliott, he got a lot of good playing time, and I think he earned himself a contract. The only reason he won't get you know, a nice contract and become a starter somewhere, I think is because of the injury. So maybe it works out for the Ravens and he can come back on a one year prove a deal or something. But I think he was a good player and I think he ascended. It's funny when you were saying the whole spiel, I thought you were going to say Brandon Williams again, because that's the exact same argument that we used for Brandon <laughs> Williams for many years. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's an interesting pick. Hell of a shoot. Like I'll say like from 2019, I remember us talking in the preseason of just, I could never count on Deshaun Elliott because of his two season-ending injuries in the previous two preseasons. <laughs> so I feel like after that, I was just, uh, I was just like, man, anything that we can get from him will be amazing. So you know, definitely was uh, nice to have him there. I think he was a good uh, tandem to Clark. Yeah, I, I like that pick. I think Elliott Elliott had a really having a really good year. I mean, um, wasn't didn't he get injured? He got injured against Minnesota was the Chargers. He played really well against the Chargers, and that was pretty close to the injury. Um, yeah, you're right. It was around that time. I'm trying to remember myself, but uh, I just remember when he got injured, not being like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, kind of knowing that might be his a season ender. So now I will give my number three, and the reason I held off on commenting on Chris's uh, most recent pick was because um, it's kind of funny. The guy I have here at number three, I kind of, is basically how I viewed Patrick um, how review how I view Patrick Queen this year. It's just so hard for me to put him in the uh, improved or disappointing players, and that was the same case that I had with this player um, last year, Tyus Bowser. Um, there were a lot of things I saw from him that I liked, but then other times where I was just like, you know, is he really making an impact on this defense? He seems like he's disappearing from certain games. I just I thought I needed to see more from him, and and I did. I thought that this year, like I already said earlier uh, just he turned into a complete defensive player he was a, a menace down the stretch for several turnovers was excellent at setting the edge he's just a do-all linebacker um he's 100 percent lived up to what the ravens were expecting from him when they drafted him in the second round 
uh, several seasons ago. So uh, Tyus Bowser's number three for me. Tyus didn't make my list because I thought highly enough of him last year. <laughs> That's not a dig or anything, Peter. Just yeah, because like, I, 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 he was on my list. But like I, I had to cut him out because I had too many people. Nice. Well, I mean, I think it's a great pick. Uh, I'll just say my three and two real quick uh, because they've already been said. But Hollywood was my number three. Bowser was my number two. I'm really happy from the play with those guys this season. Nice. Uh, for me, number two, uh, Lamar Jackson. Um, the last couple games weren't pretty. Um, I think there was a combination of you know his sickness, getting him out of sync with the offense, uh, just the offense poor pass protection overall just being too much for him but first half of this season as we said several times the accuracy from this guy that we saw it just was incredible we hadn't seen it him being that accurate and I felt his decision making was a lot better overall he really carried the team in certain games when the defense just was not showing up at all he would have had a an excellent season and the Ravens would have been in the playoffs once again, if not for all the injuries on the offensive line. Um, he p- continues to improve year in after year, and I thought he looked his best version of himself this season. All right. Well, uh, my number one pick, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip my number two for a second. <laughs> uh, my number one pick already discussed uh, was Marquise Hollywood Brown. Uh, I He brought me great joy uh, when he was just catching these bombs and making prolific catches and being a true number one at the beginning of the year, uh, all because of uh, Peter's um, pick because of uh, Lamar Jackson. I mean, it's funny that you could have a most improved player that won a unanimous MVP, um, but but Peter managed to p- figure that out. Uh, <laughs> all right, here we go. My number two most improved player, James Prochet. <laughs> I swear I didn't put it here uh, like after Chris's thing. That's why I said I'll talk about him later. So here's my rationale for why James Prochet is the number two most improved player on the Ravens, which might be high, but nevertheless, he has to be talked about is that the guy like came in every, every practice early. He was on the jugs machine. He was just like, I'm going to be the most reliable catcher, the side of the Mississippi. And then you know what he did? He was the most reliable catcher, the side of the Mississippi. You threw the ball his way. He snagged it. You threw the ball his way and good things happened. And unfortunately the Ravens and maybe Giro, uh, did not find a way to include him enough, in my opinion. I understand that we have some good wide receivers. I understand it's going to be hard to find in playing time. But I do truly think, when you look at the run game and how it's performing this year, and you look to the wide receiver options we had, the best option the Ravens had was to go more pass-heavy and to lean into these talents. And uh, that was a really big miss, in my opinion, and I hope it is corrected when you look at the personnel in the future. Right? I, I, I'm not saying that... In, you know, with guys like Dobbins and Gus coming back, it might not make sense to to skew that way. But I just I just hope they're more nimble when injuries hit and adjustments need to be made next season. But I, I just I really do think that James Prochet took a big jump because, like you were saying, like he was kind of irrelevant last year, and then he he found his way to command attention. The reason that we're talking about him at all uh, is because he did things he made splashes and i thought that was an improvement so i don't know i i i i I put him on my most improved list i'm just still laughing about the (laughs) most reliable hands this side of the mississippi just like (laughs) jamar chase he might be on this side but did you see him in the preseason drops everywhere (laughs) (laughs) just not reliable you know crochet better it's it's, it's a little bit different i think (laughs) 
Man, if, if the Bengals had James Prochet instead of uh, Jamar Chase, they would have beaten the, the Chiefs by three touchdowns. It's incredible. What a poor scouting department. <laughs> okay, I think I think my comment's been taken out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine, man. It's fine. It's, oh, man. We, we just got to rib you a little bit for, for you um, continually uh, planting your flag on the James Prochet hill as the, the hill you're going to die on. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to die there. I think I'm going to be met <laughs> with uh, a rainbow ending and a pot of gold. Oh, man. Dude, I hope so, man. I got big, you know, I got James Prochet on a dirt cheap contract for Dynasty. So, you know, if he works out with the Ravens or somewhere else, I'm, I'm making out good. All right. So my number one on my list. So for me, it's Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is the most improved player on this team. Now, granted, I understand like Lamar Jackson, his baseline going into the season was very good. That being said, with Andrews and, and Hollywood, we said it all last year. We said both these guys, th- these guys together have the potential to be like Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill are for the Kansas City, where every week you go in and you know a defense isn't going to be able to guard these guys. Hollywood got close, like we said at the beginning of the season, and then tailed off. And Andrews, I think he re- he reached it. Um, you know, Obviously, he led this, the league in tight end categories uh, from a statistical standpoint. Some of that was due to you know, the situations the Ravens found themselves in down the stretch. But, you know, he's still, in, in the second half of the season, you, you could just depend that the guy was going to put up big numbers. It, it wasn't like, there was no excuses you could make for him. Like, you know, in, in 2020, there was questions like, oh, this guy, you know, he's not coming up big big enough in big games. He has drops. Uh, you know, some of that was warranted. Some of it was a little overblown. But there's no arguments you can make anymore. This guy came. He uh, arrived as an unguardable force of offensive nature um, that, you know, teams are, are going to have difficulties with this guy, just like defenses had difficulty with, with Devontae Adams and, and Cooper Cup this season. That's how good he has made himself. He made himself from a pretty good offensive weapon to one of the top 10 offensive skill positions in in from a receiving perspective in the league right now. And I don't think that's a homer take. I think that's seriously how good he is now. And um, if, if Bateman and Hollywood can take another step next season and Lamar comes back healthy – with Dobbins and Edwards, you're looking at a very scary offense. Ditto, man. Uh, I had Andrews as my number one. I just, you know, it, it was incredible. I mean, we had a number of games where we were like, oh, this is a career game for Mark Andrews, and then you follow up with it again and again and again. Um, I mean, that the, the game he had against the Browns, that first game, uh, I think was just, I mean, he had some of the best catches that he had in his career in that game. I mean, that one-hander where Ronnie Harrison was kind of, uh, grabbed his other hand and he, he still brought in the catch uh even with the pi call like I, he got both like <laughs> I, I don't know anybody in raven's history who's gotten that the long pass interference call and the catch in the same <laughs> in the same play um uh, it's just incredible I mean, he had so many one-handed catches and just you know just incredible ones yeah he really took a step forward this season it was it was awesome Good list. All right. Well, obviously the 2021 Ravens season did not end anywhere near how we hoped it would, but you know, every season is it's fun. Uh, you know, we always get a lot of enjoyment out of these games, uh, the good and the bad. And I think to wrap up this episode and to wrap up, you know, our, our discussion on the 2021 season and look forward to 2022, just like in years past, we're going to count up our top five moments of the season. Um, I guess I'll start off uh, with this one. For me, number five, um, I wouldn't be shocked if this one's higher on your guys' list, but I thought number five, you know, finally beating Kansas City, that was a really big win when it happened. Um, unfortunately, like we said, the NFL continued to schedule that matchup too early in the season. 
and obviously Kansas City was not quite as strong this season as they had been in years past, so that did kind of sully uh, the the victory as time passed as well. But certainly very exciting when it happened and deserving of being on this list. I mean, I think they struggled at the beginning of the season, but uh, they were definitely super solid as the year went on. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'll say that when I was at that game and they won, the feeling in the stadium was unmatched. It was never like that again. Now, granted, it was the first home game of the season, first game back with, uh, you know, COVID not allowing fans to show up in, in mass. And yeah, I mean, I remember when leaving the last win of the regular season, well, they didn't play the postseason, but the last one of the season was uh, the the Browns game, right? And um, it was not excitement. It was like, oh man, we made it, right? So uh, it was a completely different vibe. I mean, the Indianapolis game, there there was a lot of excitement that they, they won, the way they came back. But like, yeah, each win at home just got through less and less uh, like happiness out of it. Uh, number four, uh, Chuck Clark's performance against the Rams. It was just fun finally seeing a Ravens player get defensive picks and a defensive touchdown. Then number three and two, a pair of comeback victories. Number three, Ravens rally to win against Minnesota. And then number two, Ravens win against Indianapolis. And then number one, uh, and it wasn't even close, uh, clear number one moment from the season for me, uh, Justin Tucker's uh, breaking the NFL record for longest uh, field goal kick uh, for a win as well. Great list. Uh, my number, uh, my top five. Uh, <laughs> the fifth one's pretty funny. Uh, when the Ravens were able to dunk on Fangio with a twenty-three-seven win. In, uh, <laughs> oh man, that's a great one <laughs> in, in Denver. Um, that was really funny. <laughs> it was a good moment. Uh, number four, Andrews' uh, highlight game against the Browns. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, it was just an incredible game from him. Number three, Tucker breaking the field goal record in Detroit. That was a great one. Uh, and then two and one uh, had Monday night football game against the Colts as number two. And number one was finally getting that win against Kansas City. For me, man, yeah, was, like we said earlier, it was just the, the first game kind of back uh, in this post-COVID era. Um, it was the first game I had been to since 2019, early 2019. Um, it was incredible. I was, you know, just really, really glad to bank that game. And um, gosh, those two moments of Lamar going in the end zone to take the lead in the fourth quarter was incredible. And then with always a uh, forced fumble, I was just, I, I don't know. The, I don't remember the last time I've been more excited at a Ravens game. Those were two amazing plays. So uh, personally, that was uh, really fun for me. Yeah. I think the last time was when uh, we were still in college, 2012. Well, technically 2013, Ray's last game, maybe we had the same level of just like hype and enthusiasm. But like that stadium was special that day. I remember saying it wasn't loud enough. I still stand by that, Uh, at least in my section, it was not loud enough. But like it was undeniable the enthusiasm. Um, I just felt like we weren't making enough noise on every single down to slow down Mahomes. Okay, so uh, my top five, really good list so far from everybody. So number five. Harbaugh going for two for the second time in three weeks and having haters hate on him, but Alec happy because process over results. Uh, <laughs> number four, Highwood's catch against the Bengals, I think was my favorite, but the Broncos one was really good too. I think the Bengals catch though, like it gave us hope in that game and then all the hope disappeared very shortly after, but I was like, oh, there it is. There was the explosive play. We got it. We have a chance, but yeah, just kind of an embodiment of Hollywood's uh, step up year. Number three, one of the most anticipated moments in Ravens recap history, Bateman's first touchdown. Uh, he won it uh, by, you know, just like a slant rat pattern. I think he's going to win like that for years to come for the Ravens. And um, I just remember being 
so excited relative to the, like the meaning of that play for a game. <laughs> like obviously it was at the beginning of the game and I was like, Oh yet again, maybe we have a chance against the Bengals and, and we did not. But uh, yeah, the, that play just got me really hyped up. I had a lot of enthusiasm. Number two, always force fumble on CEH to uh, help us win that game against Cincinnati. And of course, number one was Justin Tucker's field goal, which was number one on the Ravens list on their website because i watched it again just to make sure i didn't forget about any plays and interestingly enough their top 10 plays not a single defensive play oh chuck clark's pick six definitely should have been in there i i don't disagree but it was and, and always fumble recovery oh man i 100 percent. yeah i was really actually super surprised it wasn't in there i was like i like checked the title i was like is this just the offense and then like but I was like, wait, but Tucker's in this. And I was like, I, I feel like this is wrong. Like, because there were some like rather unremarkable catches that were in there. Like they were good, but like, right. I don't know. Right. I, yeah. yeah I, Interesting. I, I call BS on that one too. All right. Well, that wraps up. I think what might be the longest episode of Ravens recap in history. <laughs> I did not see this one coming before the show. We were joking. Like, I mean, this won't go long. It went long. But we appreciate you guys for sticking through the whole episode. We'll be back next week to discuss all the pressers. That's why we didn't really go into too much depth on john harbaugh's today because we have two more coming up with uh, mike mcdonald giving his opening remarks as the new defensive coordinator and of course eric DaCosta, uh, which will probably end the media engagement for um, quite some time so uh, we'll break that down maybe have a guest and then uh, move forward with the rest of our off season looking at free agency and of course the draft you can follow us ravens underscore recap on twitter and email us feedback at ravensrecap.com. we'll see you next week